So you'll notice that today I'm here solo, just me and Ambry this weekend. My wife is in Looters, America. She's working a walk to Emmaus. And I love her and I miss her and she'll be home today and I'm excited. But I was blessed with some amazing food this weekend. Carla brought me a casserole and some breadsticks and some brownies and some Dr. Pepper. And then Nikki messaged me on Friday. She's like, hey, come by the house. So I got over there, and she had a big plate of cookies for me. So needless to say, I have really enjoyed this weekend. I have ate a lot of sweets and drank a lot of Dr. Pepper that I, have, I probably shouldn't have done. So time to get back on it. So will you please stand? We are going to read 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 31. It says, there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another, the work, workings of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretations of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, also, so also is Christ. But by the Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the, whole hearing, if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if, he, and if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need for you. No much rather these members of the bodies no much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which which we think are less honorable, on these we bestow great honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that which part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, if you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, 
Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Will you pray with me? Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity and just the freedom to come together and just to worship and to grow closer to you. Father, I pray that you'll just open our hearts and our ears to just to hear your message and to truly receive your message. Father, I ask that you'll just slow my words so that everyone can understand your message better. And Father, I'd ask that you just remove me from the situation. Let your words flow through me. Father, just strengthen me as we go through this. Father, I love you and I praise you. I ask you things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So please be seated. So I want everybody to look around for a minute in this room and notice that not everybody looks alike. There's not one person in here that's dressed exactly like you. Not one person in here that looks exactly like you. I know there's some families in here that there may be some resemblance, but there's no two people in here exactly alike. We all look different. We all dress different. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different raisings. We all have different amount of money in our checking accounts. So we're all different. We're different in many ways, and that's what makes each one of us important. You see, God... God has a purpose for all of us, and that purpose is to glorify him. But he gives us different gifts in order to fulfill that purpose. Paul gives us a long list of the spiritual gifts in this chapter, and it says that he gives us all gifts, but we use them in different ways. But there's two major problems when it comes to the subjects of spiritual gifts. The first is that very few Christians are even involved in any kind of ministry. They look at themselves as spectators rather than participants. And sadly, they miss out on the joy of being actively involved in ministry and seeing God's work through them as they use their spiritual gifts. The second problem is with those who are actively involved in ministry for the local church, but they're not involved in the ministry that corresponds to their spiritual gifts. Kathy, I'm going to use you for example. It's good. You'll be all right. Kathy is blessed with a musical talent. We are very fortunate to have somebody like that that can get on this piano and she can play and she can sing. On the other hand, I do not have that gift. If I was to get on the piano and play and sing, let's just say it would not be a joyful noise that y'all heard. It would probably be borderline torture. And it would frustrate me because... I couldn't accomplish what I was trying to accomplish because I wasn't what God intended intended for me to do. But you see, there's a saying around the church that 10% of the people do 90% of the work. And most of the time, the only qualification you have to have to fill in a spot in church is just the willingness to try. Or to be honest, too little courage to say no. But both of these problems can be fixed with the proper understanding of spiritual gifts. So we're going to look at a few things that will help us. The first is the importance of knowing your spiritual gift. We can judge the importance of something in our lives by how much time and space we commit to it. If we look at our checkbooks, we can see what our priority is by what we spend our money on. So we can look at the Bible to see what subjects occupy the most space. Now everything in the Bible is truthful and it's important for our Christian walk. But if we can learn to focus and dig into the things that are mentioned the most in the Bible, 
then the things that are mentioned less just fall into place. So spiritual gifts are found in four major portions in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, Romans chapters 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and 1 Peter chapter 4, as well as being mentioned many other places. But in 1 Corinthians, Paul's writing to a group of believers that were not very mature in their faith. He's kind of just laying out the foundation of the Christian walk. So for Paul to put so much emphasis on spiritual gifts, we can know that the knowledge and understanding of spiritual gifts is not only foundational, but also fundamental to the Christian walk. So another reason why knowing our spiritual gifts is important is because they are a matter of personal stewardship. If we look at 1 Peter 4.10, it says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards to the manifold grace of God. So just like we're going to be held accountable for how we spend our time and money, we're going to be held accountable for how we use our spiritual gifts. And it's going to be very hard to be a good steward of something that we know nothing about, or more importantly, of something we don't even know we have. And knowing our spiritual gift will also help us find our place of ministry in the church and help us determine our priorities. Most of us get so busy in life that we just try to fit in where we can get in. Some of us will have a heart of serving, but we're so busy that we just end up volunteering for something that doesn't suit us, and then we just get frustrated and just want to quit. But if we know and understand our gifts, it'll lead us not only in our spiritual life, but also in our personal life. So the second point I want to look at is the purpose of spiritual gifts. The easiest way to describe spiritual gifts would be this. It is a God-given talent given to each given to every Christian in order to in order to carry out his function in the body of Christ. And Paul uses the analogy of the physical body to help us understand this. Every part of the body is essential to the well-being of the body. And when one member fails to do its part, the whole body suffers. But we need to understand that we're not given these gifts to benefit ourselves. So if you're using your gift just to make yourself known and to make a legacy for your name, then you've missed the point of these gifts. Each gift is given to us by God in order to glorify him, not to glorify ourselves. The third point I want to look at is the common misunderstandings of spiritual gifts. Far too often we get spiritual gifts confused with spirituality. See, there's no one gift that's better than any other gift. And we cannot take credit for something that God has freely given us. See, having the, having the gift of speaking tongues does not mean you're more spiritual than someone who has the gift of discernment. Having the gift of being a preacher or a teacher doesn't make you more spiritual than someone who has the gift of giving. But at the same time, we can't use our spiritual gifts as an excuse to avoid other responsibilities. We can't have that mentality of, well, that's not my gift. You see, some of us are gifted to give, but all Christians are called to cheerfully give to the Lord. Some are gifted to be leaders, but every man is to be a leader in his home, and every woman needs to be a leader as well. You see, while our spiritual gifts help us establish our priorities, they never excuse us from the responsibilities of being a Christian. And the fourth part I want to look at is the nature of spiritual gifts. We need to look at two things that sound like they contradict each other. 
But spiritual gifts intertwine the divine nature and the human nature. You see, if we look at spiritual gifts from only a human viewpoint, it causes a misunderstanding of the divine nature. Likewise, to view these gifts from a spiritual perspective will lead us to missing the human element. The spiritual gifts are divine in nature because they are given by the Holy Spirit only to those who believe in Jesus Christ. Spiritual gifts also require human interactions to be used properly. The gift of healing will involve some form of human involvement, whether it is bringing, the bringing of a meal, like Carla, or fixing a flat, or cleaning someone's house. And the gift of teaching will always involve studying the lesson and preparing for what's going to be taught. You see, spiritual gifts and natural talents are not the same thing, but they do go hand in hand with each other. They are both given to us by God, who created each one of us individually. Human abilities will never produce eternal fruit, but when empowered by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they can bring spiritual fruit. And just like natural talent, spiritual gifts need to be developed through training and experience. See, so we can look at Jesus and see an example of the divine and human natures working together. Jesus was fully human, yet at the same time, he was fully God. The Bible is also made up of the works of both men and God. Men spoke and wrote the Bible, revealing their background, their education, their different personalities, their different styles. Yet these men were moved along by the Holy Spirit in such a way that every word that these men wrote was the word of God. So now I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapters 12, verses 4 through 6. It says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. So we understand that there are many different spiritual gifts. But we also need to understand that there are many different possibilities of the same gift. Verse 5 says, there are differences of ministries, but of the same Lord. So let's take the gift of teaching as an example. Someone may use the gift of teaching to be a pastor while somebody else teaches at a seminary. Some may teach Sunday school while others teach around the lunch table at work. Some may teach in Africa while another teaches here in Texas. Some may teach youth while others teach at a retirement home. So we've talked about the spiritual gifts today because I want you all to see the differences that we have in each other. And I want to get to my main point today. That we, all, that we are all created differently, and we are all given different gifts, but we are all here for the same purpose, and all created by the one and only God. See, there are so many different gifts with an infinite amount of possibilities that can come from them, and all this diversity should contribute to Christian unity. We are all part of the same body of Christ. However, the body of Christ is probably the most segregated group of people there is. It is estimated that there are over 200 different denominations just in the U.S. and 45,000 worldwide. See, that's a staggering number when you consider that we all serve the same God. And most of these splits, or some of these splits come from just personal differences. Some of these splits come from somebody got so comfortable in their sin that they went and found a church that just approved of their sin so they wouldn't have to change. 
But the leading cause of these splits is different interpretations of the same Bible. See, and then pride kicks in because we don't want to be told that we're wrong. So we find a group of people and we go start our own church instead of being able to sit down and discuss our issues with each other and praying with each other and asking God for clarification. You see, and the split has become so deep now that many denominations won't even work with each other. People have become more loyal to the name on the door than they are to Jesus. So now you've got the right foot trying to go left and the left foot trying to go right and the whole body of Christ falls on their face. And in many of the larger cities, it's gotten so bad that even churches of the same denomination won't come together with each other. See, what we have to do, we have to understand that the root cause of all this division and separation is Satan. Satan knows that as a unified body of Christ, we are unstoppable. See, if we can all come together and work together, Satan knows he's already whooped. And that's why he causes the division to take our focus off of defeating him and put it on ourselves. See, I want to tell y'all, the other day there was an issue between me and another church member. And I'm not going to mention this person's name. But there was something that I was passionate about that this person didn't understand. And there was something that this person was passionate about that I didn't understand. So we went down to the prayer chapel and we sat down and we talked. And this person explained to me why they were passionate about what they were passionate about. And I explained to this person why I was passionate about what I was passionate about. So through that, we were better able to understand each other and we were able to compromise and work out a solution. You see, neither one of us had to compromise on our integrity. Neither one of us had to compromise on our biblical beliefs. But instead of just arguing about our differences, we took the time to listen to each other and to understand each other. And we were able to work out the details and allow God to lead us through that. And I wanted to tell you all this story because, man, there's a lot of differences in this church. And I'm talking about in this building right now. There's a lot of division. There's a lot of little factions. There's a lot of people in here that, have, that get hurt feelings by other members of this church. There's wounds that have been carried for years. There's bitterness and there's unforgiveness that's been carried for way too long. And it needs to be released. I want to read a passage, and it's not on the computer. But it's, sorry, it's 1 Corinthians 11. 23 through 32. It says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Verse 27 says, So anyone who eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. This is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup, 
without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourselves. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. But if we examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. We take communion in this church every week. And Paul's telling us that if we take it in an unworthy manner, we are sinning against Jesus. He says we need to search our hearts. And if we're carrying any bitterness, any resentfulness, any unforgiveness, or any unconfessed sin before, that we are sinning against Jesus. If we take communion and we have any of these things in our hearts, then we are sinning against Jesus. And unity is so important that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 that if you're coming to the altar to bring your gifts and you remember that your brother has something against you, then you are to leave your gift and you, are going to go, you should go reconcile with your brother and then come back. And when you think about that, Jesus didn't say if you have something against your brother. He says if you know somebody has something against you, you should go fix it. That's how important unity is. You see, broken relationships between members of the body of Christ can hinder our relationships with God. 1 John 4, 20 and 21 says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that we love God, that he who loves God must also love his brothers first. See, we're about to open up the altar. Kathy's going to sing a song, or I'm going to pray, and Kathy's going to sing a song. And I want you to really search your hearts. If there's some bitterness you have towards another member of this church, today's the day for forgiveness. If there's some resentful that you have against somebody in this church, Today's the day to let that go. See, unity was one of the words that God gave me when we first got here, me and my family, and it's been, it's been a struggle. And it was actually unity in the community, and what the vision God gave me was churches coming together. But man, how can we have community or unity in our community if we don't have unity in our own building? See, we have to start here. We have to clean our own house before we can go clean our community. So if there is something that you want, an issue you have with another church member, if it's something you can let go of without having to talk to them, then let go of it. But if it's something that you need to address with them, then I encourage you to sit down and address it with them. I encourage you to search your heart, but I also encourage you not to go in there prideful because you may have got your feelings hurt and they didn't even know they hurt your feelings. So I encourage you to open up your minds and be willing to listen and not only speak. So will you please stand? I'm going to ask you to pray with me, and we'll open up the altar. If you want to come up and ask God into your life for the first time, or if you want to join the church, or if there's just prayer, something you need prayer for, just feel free to come up. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for everything that you have done for us. Father, I just ask that you'll just open up our hearts and our minds just to be able to receive your word. And Father, just allow us to truly search our hearts, Father. And if there's something that we're carrying 
something that we've buried deep down so far that we don't even know it's there, Father, I ask that you'll reveal it to us, Father, and give us the strength and the courage to be able to let go of it. Father, I just, I just ask for healing, spiritual healing in our lives and in our minds, Father, and just, uh, just a spirit of unity to be in this church. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we give you the glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.